welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. John said I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink foamed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbrough, and glad you're joining me today. This is episode 102, and today we're going to talk about using goats and other methods for clearing land. So on this episode, I'm going to answer a question from a listener uh, and share my thoughts on how to clear underbrush from a piece of land to make it useful for uh, livestock or anything else you might want to do with it. So first, let's jump right into some homestead updates. What's going on around here? Well, the uh, tomato harvest is just now really coming in full swing. I'm starting to like that. It's been really late uh, coming in this year. We've been getting a few for a few weeks, you know, off and on here and there, just picking a few at a time, but just now starting to really come in full swing so we can start uh, making some stuff. So I'm glad about that. It's like I said, it's been probably one of the worst years for tomatoes as as far as getting them early. They're looking pretty good. Uh, You know, the, the rain that's kind of came and went and the way it's we had some dry spells and then we had some really wet spells so you know the tomatoes are cracking and doing their you know thing when it doesn't get the proper amount of water at the right times but you know they're usable and um you know it's just not been the best year for tomatoes but it is really starting to come in full swing now so i'm glad about that also our rabbits are starting to have their litters uh, i kind of held off this summer breeding them because it was such a hot summer i just wanted to kind of give them a break and i didn't want them to you know to be pregnant through the do all that heat and have to give birth in that heat and it's still pretty hot but you know had to get that rolling so um yeah just uh matter of fact should be a a litter out there this morning i'm gonna go out there and check here in just a little bit but i uh, bred them about a month ago so we're we're starting to have some uh kits now so glad about that we'll have some uh, meat in the freezer before winter time um this is also the time of the year when most homesteading activity takes place in the kitchen which isn't always my favorite part but you know it makes it a lot of hard work it's really really busy but that's okay you know it's it's definitely the busiest time of the year on the homestead lots of uh, harvesting you know picking things and uh, getting it in the kitchen and then just uh, getting um getting in the kitchen and making a big mess you know doing lots of uh preservation preparation and, and you know getting that, using that stuff up getting it in the freezer getting it in the jars uh, putting it where it needs to be and uh, storing it up for uh, the days ahead so you know it's a again it's not my favorite thing in the world to do because it's just such a, a big hot job and you're in there you know it, all weekend it seems like we've been in the kitchen doing stuff but you know and it is the uh, it is the part that connects you with the best part which is eating the harvest so i appreciate it i really do um, let's just jump right into our question for today's podcast episode. Um, it's kind of a long question here. Uh, Edward asks, what is your take on clearing wooded land to use for livestock? Our 38 acres is about three acres of nice lawn around the house and 35 acres of forest. About two thirds of the 35 acres is thicker, older growth. And I don't plan to do much of anything uh, with other than keep clear of deadfall but the other one third maybe 10 acres total is forest that had been previously logged 
and so it's thick with low growth saplings, etc. I'd love to start slowly opening some of that up uh, to use for more livestock in the future. I've heard that goats are a great way to clear underbrush. If so, are there any particular breeds that are better than others? Do you have any idea of how many goats uh, per acre it would take X amount of time to do some noticeable clearing? If not goats, any other animals that could do the job? Or is the only real way to do this to pay someone to come in with heavy machinery? I'd like to leave what mature trees there are in place it doesn't need to be 100 percent clear-cut pasture but all the underbrush would have to go and grasses planted to be of much use i had hoped our guinea hogs would put a dent in it but in the past few months i've noticed they're really quite picky they've eaten a lot of grasses but don't seem to bother with the, the rougher brush so much uh, thanks really appreciate the podcast keep up the great work well thanks edward a uh, great question and um it is one that this old urban homesteader has some experience with. Uh, my entire uh, teenage years, uh, we had goats. We had a lot of goats. Uh, I mean, when I say a lot, we had, I think, 10 goats. And we had them on a couple acres. And I got firsthand experience on seeing them clear underbrush and how they worked. And uh, just learned a little bit about goats in those few years. Uh, maybe four or five years we had goats there. and Got a little bit of experience with them. Now, we had dairy goats. We're going to talk a little bit about um, the differences there and what you might want to do. Because... We were using ours a little different, but, um, yeah, I have a little bit of experience with this. So I, I got to see, you know, goats clearing out a field. We had a really grown up field and, um, you know, and, and my dad, you know, that was his idea. Let's get some goats and we'll have the milk and, and the other products and, uh, the meat and we'll also clear this field out. So we, uh, we got goats to do that job and, and I'll tell you about how it worked and what I thought about it. Um, let's talk about the ideal underbrush situation for, for goats. Uh, you, you mentioned, you know, it's pretty thick it's it's been previously logged and it has the the low growth saplings that that's that's good for for goats if they're pretty low growth um and not too tall depends on how big the saplings are you know you start getting over an inch you know then, then they're not gonna do a lot of clearing uh, for you fields of of a lot of grass they're not probably going to make as big of a dent in that but what you're dealing with i think it does sound like a good you know possibly good um uh, ideal underbrush situation for goats i do do want to tell you though you, it's got to be the right kind of stuff too you want to avoid things that can harm the goats They're, goats just can't eat everything you know and if you have a like an overabundance of stone fruits like cherry and and peach and um you know think a plum things like that growing in an area uh it's okay to have a little bit of that because they'll avoid uh, that for the most part, if there's a lot of other things to eat, but if you have an abundance of those kind of things, it's actually toxic to goats. Stone fruits are actually toxic. The leaves of, of, the, of the stone fruits are actually toxic to them. So you want to avoid those kind of things. Also, you want to do your investigation on other things. There are some, some weeds and things that are, that are toxic to goats. And you might want to just take a stroll through there and see, you know, make sure you don't have an overabundance. They're, 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 they're smart animals when it comes to knowing what to eat. I mean, you know, you, you, you hear the stories, I mean, that you throw a tin can to a goat and they'll eat that, but you know, they're like every other animal, they kind of know how to survive, you know? So you put them in a place I told you we had goats on our couple acres and that entire fence line had plum trees in it. Well, plums or plum tree leaves are, are actually toxic to goats. They didn't bother it. I mean, these were bigger plum trees, but they really didn't you know, they really didn't mess with them. They cleaned all the underbrush around underneath those trees along the fence line, and they never really bothered the uh, the plum trees. So they, they knew what they were doing. They just didn't go out there and just eat whatever. But there was plenty other options for them. 
they will dive into it if it's their only option. So I'm just saying, make sure that, um, you know, you, you know, check out, check out the ground. You, you, you say you want to raise livestock on that, on those, on that acreage. Well, goats were going to be your livestock until it clears out. So, you know, it's not like it's just your trash animal to clean up the mess so you can bring in real livestock. Goats are real livestock and they're going to need some real care. So, you know, you want to make sure you got an ideal situation for them. You're going to want to make sure you got the land set up for them a little bit. Again, you just can't put them in there and forget about them. You're going to have to give them some care. You're going to have to check on them. Uh, you're going to have to provide some a place for them to get out of the rain. Uh, they're not going to like that. Um, so they need a little bit of a shelter. Uh, even if it's just a temporary something you pop up to, to give them something to get under that you can move around on the property. Even and we'll talk about that in a minute, something temporary that they can get under to, uh, to stay dry and get out of the weather if they need to. Um, you're going to have to water them. You know, they're going to take some care. It's not going to be just this thing where you just stick them in there and forget about them. They're going to take a little bit of care. You're going to want to go in and check on them. Uh, you know, like I said, daily and, uh, just make sure they're doing okay. You know, they're, they're going to need some care. They're, they're a livestock and, um, and they're going to need uh, basic animal husbandry if you're going to raise them in this area. Let's talk about first the benefits of, of using goats to clear underbrush. Obviously, it's a great idea. Uh, they do a good job. They, you know, you're not going to have to, the the soil compaction issues and the mess issues of of bringing in heavy machinery. You're not going to have the uh, toxicity issues of bringing in poisons to uh, kill things. You're um, you're actually going to be doing good to the land by bringing in the fertilizer. You know, uh, they're going to be eating and pooping and they're going to be, you know, we're going to be fixing up your land. Actually, they're going to be doing some great benefits to it. So goats are a great way to go. I mean, it's just a using animals to do this kind of work for you is a great option. If, if he, if it's an ideal situation for you, it takes a lot of goats to make a big dent quick. Uh, you know, goats can only, especially this time of the year. Now, if he's popping them in early spring, when it isn't growed up as much, yeah, it isn't going. They're going to be able to keep up with it better. Popping them in in the middle of a year when it's really thick and really grown up, it takes a lot of goats. It takes about ten or more goats per acre, depending on how grown it up. I've heard, you know, I mean that's a good number, like ten uh, per acre will clear out an acre in about a month of underbrush, depending on how thick it is or whatnot. Now, how do you get around that? Well, you if you got if you don't want to get more than you know say ten or even less goats. Yeah, you, you got to fence off smaller acre, uh, parts of that. You got to take a quarter acre at a time or whatever. Go get you some uh, some electric netting, electric goat netting. Uh, you don't want to put up any anything, you know, um, permanent, of course, because you're going to have to move them around. So get you some electric goat netting. It's the uh, four foot tall. I think you can get it in some pretty long uh, sections. And you just got to, you're going to have to move the fence with them, move their shelter, move it around for them. And, um, that can be a lot of work if it's a lot of thick underbrush because you're trying to work through there as well. But that's what it's going to take to move a smaller number of goats. Now, if this is entirely fenced in with, say, four-foot fence, um, four- or five-foot fence, you know, and it's in really good shape, you might turn a bunch of goats, I mean, like, you know, 40, 50, 60 goats <laughs> loose in an area this big um, and really get the job done quick. But uh, I think, you know, if you Google it and look around and, and talk to people, you're going to find that most folks will say probably 10 or so goats per acre per month is what it's going to take to clear the underbrush out of a, out of an area. So that's a lot of goats to take care of. Like I said, you can go with less, but then you're going to have to put up some netting and you're going to, have to move it around with them. 
and, and you're going to have to then as they as they clear it, you're going to have to go in and, and kind of clear the rest of it because they're not going to eat the wood. I mean, you're still going to have, you know, two, three inch saplings just, you know, sticking up and you're going to have to want to go in with maybe a pole saw or a, one of them um, heavy hedge trimmers that uh, will cut like a two inch sapling on a pole saw those are pretty good still makes a good one you can go in there and clear all that stuff out after they've gone through and taken all the green down and um you know they're uh they're going to do a pretty good job but they're not going to be able to get that taller stuff and that brings us to what kind of goats you might want to use you're going to want to use larger goats i mean if you ask what's the best breeds for it well obviously a bigger goat is going to be able to eat more and reach higher uh, you don't want to use pygmy goats. I mean, they're just not going to eat as much. And they're not going to be able to get as high up and get the leaves and stuff off of the smaller saplings. So you're going to want to use the larger breed, something like a, a Borgo, a Kiko, Alpine, you know, something like that. The bigger breeds. We had uh, Nubians but because we had milk goats. Now, do you want milk or do you want meat goats? I mean, if you're going to have to mess with the milk, you know, that's fine. But ideally the meat goats the larger breed meat goats are going to be your your probably your best option a boar goat or a kiko or something like that uh, are going to be your better options for um for doing this job the bigger the better uh, they're going to be like i said get taller they're gonna reach up higher because they're taller and uh, and they'll stand up on their back hooves and they'll eat the leaves off of trees but you know the bigger the goat the better really uh, for the situation so you're going to need a, a bunch of them you're going to be or be willing to move them around with electric netting you have to be aware of those possible issues and those goats' needs, and they're going to do the job for you, but it's still going to be a lot of work. It's not, like I said, something you can just throw them in there and totally ignore them. You're still going to have to get in there and do some work, and when you're all done, you're still going to have things you're going to have to clear. You're going to have to go in and cut those smaller saplings down and do some work. Do I think it's better than bringing in heavy equipment? Sure, it absolutely is. Is it near as fast? No, it isn't. I mean, you're, it's going to take some time, and it's going to take some work, and... In the end, your land's going to be all the better for it. Uh, I really believe that. Um, there are uh, a lot of benefits to using goats, and there are some negatives. Like I said, there are livestock that you're going to have to care for, and um, it's going it's to take a little while. And if you're in a hurry for this land, yeah, bringing in some heavy equipment just might be the best option, or getting in there yourself with a pole saw and just you know, dropping all this stuff to the ground and you're still going to have to do some of that. Even after the goats get done, you really are or move some cattle in afterwards and they'll trample a lot of stuff. You know, if, if the goats will eat the smaller stuff and make some pathways for the, uh, for the cattle, then you can bring cattle in and they'll finish it off. They'll get even higher up. They'll, uh, they'll stomp a lot of stuff to the ground. They'll bust saplings over. They'll move some stuff around. That's what actually we did. We cleared land and we brought cattle in after the goats and we had cattle on that land. So goats can definitely clear it up for you. And then cattle can uh, finish the job. But, um, yeah, those are just some things you want to uh, be aware of. But they're, they really are the best animal for clearing the land. You can bring in hogs. takes a lot of them. They'll till the land. They're really good at tilling the land. They'll hit it low. But they're not going to reach up and eat the brush for you too much. They're going to dig a lot of it up with their snouts. But, you know, they're not going to they're not going to do a lot of the, the cleanup that goats would do. So get you some goats. I, I think they're a good option. I also think getting in there and hand clearing is a great option, but it's a lot more work. But just be aware that it's not maybe as easy as it sounds. They are going to take some work. And, um, you know, if you don't want to buy the goats, I believe it or not, you can actually rent goats. I don't, I kind of looked up, you know, the availability of goats all over the country. And there are a lot of places. And you might want to research that in your area and see if you just want to rent some goats. I probably wouldn't because you're talking about a pretty large number. So it's probably going to be pretty expensive to rent goats. Might be cheaper just to buy them in the long run because as many as you're going to need for this job. 
but uh, you might want to look into it. It might be just easier to have someone come in, bring the bring the goats in, bring the electric netting in, because I've seen that service a lot. They'll bring some goats in. They'll bring in three, four, five goats, however many you need. They'll bring the electric electric netting in so they can be moved around. They'll bring in everything the goats need, and then you just pay. You basically rent the goats from them while you move them around your property. And uh, maybe even that service removes them around your property for you to clean out the uh, area. And um, you can actually rent a goat. <laughs> I thought that's pretty fascinating. So you might want to research that a little bit for your area. That might be an option in your area. There might be some farmers who are renting out goats. So, you know, just uh, just another option there you might want to look into. So I think that uh, answers the question. Uh, Ten goats or more per acre. Bigger goats. And... Uh, they're definitely your best option for uh, for clearing out that land. Other animals are, are going to do it, but nothing's going to do it better than a goat. So there you go, Edward. Thanks for the question. Great question. I think a lot of people probably wonder about that. And um, I think that uh, I think it's a great option for clearing out some land. Uh, recommendations. Uh, if you're going to go with some meat goats, I recommend, if you don't know a lot about goats, I recommend getting Story's Guide to Raising Meat Goats. It's a great book with a lot of information about caring for, for goats. And if you've never done it before, like I said, it's not an animal. It's not just a trash animal you can throw in there and just forget about. They do take some care. So get you a good book like Story's Guide to Raising Meat Goats um, on that. They also have one for dairy goats if you wanted to go down that aisle. I did want to mention that if you're doing using dairy goats, something you got to be aware of is they've got these large udders that hang down. And if this, this area you're talking about has a lot of a thorny underbrush, I would avoid the dairy goats. Because um, their their udders can actually get hung up on thorny bushes and stuff, and it can actually tear their uh, tear their bags there. So so uh, if you got a lot of thorny or po- pokey pointy underbrush, um, don't don't get dairy goats. Don't use dairy goats for that. And you're going to have to put more work into them and milk them and and things like that. So uh, just be aware of that too. I'd probably go with the meat goats in that situation. But yeah, get get you a good book on it. Um, I also put a link in for some uh, goat netting. Uh, it's the four foot, 164 foot long goat netting. I put a link for that. Take a good look at what you might need for uh, and, and the costs um, of that, uh, for putting your goats on that land and moving them around. So you can check that out, uh, today on the homestead life segment, uh, I want to talk about something that's better in my life because of homesteading and that's snapping green beans. You know, we've been picking and processing a bunch lately. And every time me and my wife sit down to snap some uh, green beans, it, it always brings back memories of doing that as a kid. It was literally a family event when I was a kid, we would just gather up on the front porch. We'd all have our paper bag full of, uh, full of beans you know you used to use those old you remember the grocery stores used to give you those big brown paper sacks and each one of us would have we'd have several of those and we'd grab one and bring it over and we'd have our bowl and we just start snapping green beans and we'd destring them and snap them and drop them in the bowl and and we just do bunches of them at a time and we process you know you know hundreds of jars of uh, green beans all at once and and uh we just sat around as a family and we do this, you know, and all the kids were involved, grandma and, my, you know, the grandparents and the parents and everybody. And we'd sit around and we'd snap green beans and we'd tell stories. We'd have conversations. And it was just this family event that was a lot of fun. And every time I sit down to do this now, it just takes me back to that. And, and, you know, it's just something that I'd gotten away from and forgotten for many years when I wasn't homesteading. And now that we're homesteading again, Every time it just, there's just this nostalgia about it that just, just brings me back to those days of sitting around and even with grandma, there was times we didn't do that many, even when it wasn't a big family event, we just go help grandma snap a a few bags of green beans or, or whatever. And it's just to think back on that is it's a lot of fun. 
and a lot of nostalgia. And it's it makes me regret a few things too that I didn't raise my kids that way. You know, my kids grew up and we weren't homesteading when my kids were being uh, raised, and and so I missed that. But we got grandkids now, and, and getting them involved in that is um, is something that as they grow up, uh, we're definitely going to be uh, putting them to work snapping green beans. And so uh, when they grow up. They may have the same thoughts and memories that I have. It's a, it's, it's a great thing to, um, to remember the legacy that your grandparents and parents left you in something as simple as sitting around as a family doing a chore like that. So uh, get out there and snap those green beans and uh, develop some memories in your family and um, enjoy the homestead life because uh, it truly is a better life. If you want to submit a question for the podcast, you can send your questions to ask at smalltownhomestead.com or call or text in your questions to our voicemail at 765-203-1949 and submit as many questions as you want, as often as you like. We always appreciate getting the questions. This podcast is made possible by those who join our Homestead Forum membership community. You can learn more about the benefits of membership at thehomesteadforum.com. Go check that out or just head on over to smalltownhomestead.com and click the links there. And you can get all the information about being a member, how to join, the benefits of it. And um, come be a part of things over there. we got a great forum there. we got a lot of... Uh, great things going on in the membership community and i'd love you to be a part of it and even support this podcast by doing it so uh, go check that out so i'll say about that the show notes for this episode can be found at smalltownhomestead.com forward slash 102 i appreciate you joining me today folks and until next time happy homesteading and god bless thanks for listening to see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to smalltownhomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow.